sigh. Oh, uh, the other thing I was going to say is there's a couple people had recommended. We asked him to rec- or I asked him to recommend uh, horror movies and different things. And um, there was a show that someone recommended for you. Well, that I thought would seem like it was a beer alley on Hulu, I think it was, or Netflix, called Slasher. Are you familiar with that? Which one? It's called Slasher. It's a, it's oh, a yes. series about I, I watched. I had watched season one of it, but I haven't seen season two yet. So I'm oh, apparently season, season two's two. out. Yeah, so that was one of the recommendations. Yeah. And there were some uh, good Netflix recommendations, like that Gerald's Game one, which I've been meaning to see that's based on the Stephen King. Did you watch that yet? I haven't. My sister watched it. She said it was pretty good, though. I trust I her think judgment. we need... It would be fun to do some... Yeah, me too. Well, I don't trust your sister's dog, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just excited to see it, too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't know. I think it could be fun to do some bonus episodes for horror movies down the line. We'll talk about that more later. But yeah. anyway. <clears throat> um, also, before, I guess we should give people the heads up that, I mean, there's I'm not going to be able to record on Halloween night. I don't know if you are either. I probably I mean, won't be able to watch it have... until Wednesday. <laughs> um, yeah. I, we, plans, I mean, but... I figure most people have plans and aren't going to be watching on halloween night anyway right and it doesn't look like it's really a halloween themed episode either and right this kind of seems like we had a slight reference to halloween in this episode so maybe this is kind of our halloween episode um i don't know if i'll watch on wednesday night either we don't have any plans um you know we're still pretty new in town so yep there's not that much uh, we're being invited to yet but uh yeah i'm fine to recording on wednesday sounds cool cool all right well i'm ready when you are all right man <clears throat> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast on the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Houston. What's up, party people? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to, I guess, what we'll consider our Halloween episode, because it doesn't seem like next week's episode is going to necessarily be Halloween-themed, and we had a little bit of a tour through uh, a haunted house Sure did in this episode. Which man, that'll, that'll well, there's a lot of really fun th- that fun things, uh, bizarre things that I'm excited to talk about with you in uh, Winter of Our Discontent, which was the title of this episode. Um, before we begin, as always, we encourage everybody to check us out at Facebook.com/slash This American Horror Story. Uh, loving the interaction we're getting this season. It is a fun place for people to go and voice theories and. Um, you know, for us to just have fun talking about the show. You can always email us as well at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. We'd love to chat with you there. And please, uh, if you haven't yet, rate us and review us on iTunes. We really appreciate that. It means a lot. Without uh, further ado, uh, anything else you wanted to hit on before we jumped in? Uh, no, not really. Let's just do this. Let's do it then. Let's get in the in our, um, I guess, critical, critiquing mood. What are you drinking this evening? <laughs> I have uh, a pink lemonade emergency with a splash of tonic. Emergency mm. and tonic. Get it? Do you have a cold? <laughs> are you fi- are you fending off a cold? I'm fine. Fi- everyone at work got sick, uh, and I've already been sick, so I'm making sure I don't get sick again. But I want mm. I want to have a little fun still. You know how we do. Seems like colds are going around, man. Yeah. I had had that one. I'm over it now, so I'm drinking a uh, coffee porter. From Night Shift, a brewery here in Boston. Good stuff. Nice. Keeping me uh, caffeinated, I guess, for uh, this episode, which I don't really need the caffeine, because I'm kind of excited to talk about it as <laughs> is. Um, let's dive right into the cold open. And uh, we learned a lot here about kind of, we got a few different, um, I wouldn't call them origin stories, but kind of, background on some key characters that I think added a lot to the story, the overall kind of plot of the season. Mm-hmm. Um Let's talk about some revelations uh, revolving around Dr. Rudy Vincent. You want to dive in? Sure, let's do it. Um, but ba- basically, we open at the Blue Oyster Cold House. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, <laughs> uh, as they're all wearing blue and Kai has blue hair. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, Vincent it? showing up and uh, wanting to pour Kai a drink and kind of congratulating him on winning the council seat. Uh, and also he tries to apologize to Kai uh, for not really being there, I guess. there's a, I was a little unclear on exactly what he needed to apologize for, besides not being there at the hospital and only sending an edible arrangement uh, at the hospital. 
but he said he wants to help Kyrie make take this movement national. He's uh, he's like really proud of him, and he's like, let's take this. And apparently, their way to do this is to make uh, social media videos. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, during this sequence, it's a quick one. It's a, one of our shorter open cold opens, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. We, I was starting, and obviously we learned this, um, getting the feeling that Kai was sort of skeptical of his brother and turning on Vincent, which his name is actually Vincent Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know where the Rudy came from, but they hug, and Kai says uh, he's proud of his uh, brother. And uh, Kai, as they're hugging, Kai says, call me councilman. Oof. Yeah, that was kind of the uh, cherry on top, like you said, depi- or kind of showing that maybe Kai wasn't um, totally congenial with how his brother was. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think this answered a lot of questions for us as to what that relationship was. You know, we'd speculated or speculated that maybe Dr. Rudy was really the one pulling the strings because he had all the, you know, files on uh, people's fears and all that kind of stuff. Well. Turns out the other kind of theory we floated was correct, which is that Kai was breaking into his files. Uh, Dr. Rudy didn't have anything really to do with the cult whatsoever um, and didn't doesn't really seem like much of a family man for them all living in the same city. He kind of isn't very involved. I think we kind of got that impression a little bit when he, we first learned that he was Kai's brother and he kind of showed up to help um, take care of the crime scene after the parents were killed, uh, that he really seems like he just kind of wants to have his own business doesn't want really to be involved at all with the family stuff going on and that's kind of what i thought maybe he was apologizing for a little bit was the fact that he you know had been Hasn't absent been i guess and then like as we can tell from later in the episode it sounds like maybe they were a lot closer when they were younger and then kind of grew in different directions um maybe especially because their father was abusive maybe early on vincent kind of played that that big brother role was kind of somewhat of a fatherly role. Uh, but then he kind of disappeared too, just like the, you know, compassionate authority figures in Kai's life have up until this point. And so it seemed to me like that. Maybe that's what he was apologizing for. Although, you know, it it seems like maybe his apology was even here was kind of disingenuous and the, he was thinking about himself. Um, we can talk more about whether, you know, about that later on too, when we talk about Ali and things, but some interesting revelations regarding that relationship. Now, um, <clears throat> this episode, of course, is called Winter of Our Discontent. We talked last episode about um, how that's a reference to the Shakespeare play Richard III, which is about kind of this, uh, this unlikely anti-hero who comes to power through sheer kind of, um, not really brute force, but through essentially kind of being a mastermind of uh, scheming and being cunning and kind of weaving webs and that sort of thing. And I think that's potentially a reference to Kai, although we obviously are employing Winter's name in the illusion here in the title. So we'll exa- we'll see who that ends up being down the line. But clearly Kai has a lot of scheming going on. Um, um, it, that, it's, also, it's also a John Steinbeck novel. I haven't read that one. I haven't either, but I looked it up, and he he won the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature for it, so we should know it. <laughs> really? After Grapes of Wrath. I didn't know that I knew he won another one. Interesting. Yeah, well, I couldn't tell you about the plot of that novel because I have not read it, but Richard III is kind of an um, iconic figure. So, I, I mean, I, it's my understanding probably, or my guess that Steinbeck was using it as a reference to to that as well uh so ivy and ali's restaurant is now the hangout for these um blue collar bros i guess i guess i guess we can call them blue collared i mean they kind of that's that's pretty fitting yeah um that's I, i kept calling them the bros but the blue collar bros um the incredibly suspicious blue collar bros that are rolling into the restaurant acting like dicks uh, and rolling <laughs> right. into council meeting, city council meetings with, you know, assault rifles. 
Right, apparently they're uh, enlisting them to be militiamen who are going to patrol the streets of the city. Um, Again, this is, I mean, really relevant with kind of the armed militias you've seen popping up in places where people feel like, you know, whether it's out west where, you know, it's dealing with public lands feuds or in my home state of Oregon where there's that big standoff um, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You see kind of these, these groups popping up more and more. Um, obviously, this paramilitary group is a little bit more organized, and it's kind of a device Kai is using. His army, I think they, I, Beverly says at one point. Um, Beverly, Beverly wants to kill Kai. She wants to cut off the head and kind of re take the movement back to kind of the anarchy that was, I guess, the driving force and less the misogyny that's become the driving force. Or uh, That's my understanding. Um, but Winter trust Kai and we kind of get a flashback as to a little bit more about their relationship. Before we dive into that though I want to I want to ask you about Beverly's vision versus Kai's vision and I mean what what was their joint vision before and where like what has changed and like what what was I guess what did Beverly want to accomplish with the cult versus what does Kai seem to want to accomplish with the cult and as far as you can tell uh, like I'm, and I'm taking more of my analysis from the end when Beverly kind of gives her um, little goes on her speech about um, her about what what changed and she was promised equality she didn't get it um, she also sees Kai as a man who's weak after the last episode that we that we kind of learned from the Valerie Solanas episode. Yes. Um, and she calls him out and says, you don't actually stand for anything. Uh, and Kai tries to be like, oh, I represent thousands of Americans. Their, their voices are unheard. And she doesn't see it that way. She sees him as, you know, an attention whore <laughs> and mm-hmm. an insecure man. And that's uh, and that he doesn't stand for anything, that he just wants this attention and he likes the power and it makes him feel important. So I think Beverly had the notion from Kai as Kai fed her the lines that would get her on board to be a part of something big, to really burn to the ground and build something better or different uh, that that Beverly bought into, and she doesn't see that anymore. Right. I mean, if we look back at the interaction she had at the news station um, and kind of the other things that were alluded to, basically, you know, she has been put down over time by institutions, whether it's for being female, whether it's for being African-American, and these institutions that are in place um, have failed her, so to speak, um, and kind of, you know, have become bloated and have, you know, become, I guess, not serving the, the people like they should. And so, it, yeah, I think that her kind of theory behind that was let's, let's, burn, let's burn these institutions to the ground and kind of take them back, I guess. Now, let's talk about this flashback um, to the Judgment House, I guess it was called. Uh, did this? I, I, there's all sorts of interesting things we could talk about here. Um, this is supposed to be the origin story about why Kai would never hurt Winter. A um, couple key things. Did this feel like, like, uh, it like something from Seven to you? Oh, totally. Yeah, Dude. yeah. I, I, yeah. I did think about that briefly. About David like, Fincher, oh, God, we're gonna go through how many how many rooms in here are gonna have sins that we're gonna have to deal with? Um, right. The movie where you have all the super... deaths based on the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Right. Great movie if you haven't seen it, people. By the way. Yeah. This was this. I mean, Judgment House. For, first of all, I love that Kai and Winter in their spare time are trolling social social justice warriors. <laughs> like that's what they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, like they're pretending to be religious fundamentalists. I mean, it really fits with the kind of 4chan um, yes. way that, you know, kind of character they've kind of been trying to frame Kai with. And then we also get some background on, you know, Winter's familiarity with the dark web. Yeah. Uh, and they get a message from Pastor Charles at Judgment House, who is played by, did you catch who it was? No, who was it? Oh, Rick Springfield. Oh, that the was musician. Rick Springfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, who was also in the first season of True Detective. I thought he was great. He was very I... creepy. 
he was creepy for sure but i will tell you i could not understand a goddamn word he was saying i had to hit rewind so many times i'm like what did he say and then i just gave up multiple times so i mean i think a fair amount it was just supposed to be kind of you know hyper religious gibberish right yeah yeah I, I i don't know like he, he there were a few sentences i was like oh that that sounds like a reference to something and then i hit replay instant replay i do it again like all right after the third time like, i have no idea hopefully tyler caught it but I, as long as I didn't miss anything super important, he was very bizarre for sure. Uh, and they kind of yeah, and he his, he has them come to the house, and he calls himself the Watchman, which I mean we've kind of tallied yeah. all these Watchman references from from this season, uh, and that seems like another potential one. But not only did this feel like seven, it also felt like a little bit like Saw, where he's like Jigsaw in the back room with the cameras, just watching oh, these it, people suffer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the super did you, Christian haunted house torture. Did house. you understand? Yeah, why was what was the point of having Kai and Winter show up and walk through this thing? That that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Like Pastor Charles invites them there um, because they've kind of sold him on the notion that they're like super into stuff, and then they find on the that's dark true. web the they've been framing themselves as yeah. super fundamentalists. Yeah, so maybe I, he thought they'd fun, appreciate it. <laughs> it's like modern art, you know. Well, it's. I mean, this is a. I think. <laughs> An example of where the show kind of falters where they have this really cool idea of doing this like like crazy fundamental Christian haunted house with you know a murderer running it yet uh, they can't figure a way to like organically kind of make that happen so like oh let's make it a throwback on how Kai uh, kind of shifted his behavior and became this guy because he went to the dark web and found this really cool crazy uh, spooky house where people were getting murdered. Well, let's talk about for a second then, because I guess what we're tr- getting from this or what the show wants us to get from it is that like this is a the beginning of Kai's transformation. It's the pivotal see, moment. Yeah, it's like the moment where he realizes that he can actually do something to save people. And um, I guess if we consider this guy as representing institutionalized religion, maybe, even though clearly that's not i mean he's something far crazier than that then i guess by kind of saving these people and exercising vigilante justice by killing this guy he's sort of this is the first instance in which he tears down an institution and he kind of realizes that he can get out there and save people from these kind of dogmatic um groups and of course ironically ends up creating one himself Right. He realizes he can't save everyone, but he can take down, you know, the people in charge or who kind of run those institutions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's I mean, we learned that this kind of fueled his Adderall Mm -hmm. uh, addiction. His makeover. I I guess we could probably call it an addiction. Yeah. Uh, Got him to dye his hair blue. He dives deeper into the dark web. Yeah. and decides, yeah, instead of saving people, it's a lost cause. He just needs to burn everything down and build it back from the ground up. Um, how did this... So coming away from this kind of background, a couple questions for you. First, how did this make you... I mean, did it make you more sympathetic toward Kai? Is that what this was designed to do? Um, I think a little bit. A, a little bit. We, we saw that he was just like a punk kid, just like... You know, Winter was. They're putzing around on the internet being dickheads and trolling people. You know, like, they're also an impressionable age uh, where things can change in them and shift in them. And it did happen. So I don't know if we necessarily are supposed to be more sympathetic because they did a good job of... They're doing a good job of building Kai up to be more of a monster as he starts turning on those closest to him in present day. But this was just to show he wasn't always this monster, you know, and I'm not more sympathetic to him. I'm more, I mean, he's an adult. He, he knows, he probably knows better, uh, but also with his parents and he's twisted enough. He should, he should know better than this. So maybe people get, will give him a little bit of sympathy. I don't really, it was more interesting to know that this was the turning point for him. Agreed. I think that it, you know, it's more interesting as we've kind of had the different spots in his background filled in. Which I feel like I'm, I'm glad they've done it in bits and pieces in this season instead of kind of doing like a whole episode of background on or something, which they might have done in the past. I feel like this has been kind of well parsed out in a way that you learn interesting bits and you know things about him as we go on. And because of that, because of all the things we know he's done in the modern 
you know, in the time period the show's taking place now, it's like you don't look back at that and feel bad for him necessarily. You just kind of feel like it's interesting how he's been corrupted by what started as um, pretty, you know, high ideals. Uh, the other thing was that this was supposed to be, like, from this episode was supposed to be the reason Winter didn't think Kai would ever hurt her. Uh, is that just because Kai, she, you know, her visions of Kai maybe are still hearkening back to him as a savior type character and not as the villain he's become? Um, what did you take away from that? Yeah, I, I kind of, I buy into that. She really believes in her brother. I mean, we see what happens at the end with, even with, Vincent, who we don't know how close their relationship is, but she's still a, a sentimental person for familial relationships. Um, no matter how far people have gone, and in this case, she tells the other uh, women that, you know, he's lost his way, let me go to him, because she can thinks that she can still reach who Kai was. And obviously that turns into a whole other situation where it really shows that this, she says, no, you've officially, like, this is not you. You've gone way too far. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, because this might be, I think, I think this ranks as among the most bizarre scenes of this season so far. Um, so Kai decides that he and Winter and Samuels are going to effectively make a Samuel sandwich. Um, and, I mean, you're getting hints of... You know, the incest angles like a Game of Thrones type aspect. Yeah, at first he was hinting at that. angles like, like oh, Handmaid's Tale. Lord. I know, yeah. I have enough um, of this on TV. I don't need to see another one of these. <laughs> but what he came up with the, with the Samuels thing was even more bizarre. I, I put that's, it like a... That's American Horror Story style for you right there. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like a like a consensual human centipede i guess i don't yeah. know like, yeah i mean that's it's a three-way to make a savior and uh, the language huh? they use in this whole sequence is hilarious i couldn't like really put my finger on if it was really funny or if i was like rolling my eyes like so ridiculous or if i was just didn't i was like this is this is too much like come on now it was hard yeah and then especially when he puts on i swear oh yeah and then you got the music oh, going in the background and then, like they start putting i sang that song at um, my aunt and uncle's wedding, <laughs> I remember when I was now a you'll kid. You'll never think of it the same again. <laughs> oh, it's been defiled, forever unclean. I love it uh, when he go, when Kai tells um, after they start taking off their gowns, which they will burn ceremoniously afterwards. Um, he tells uh, Winter that you may now lay down your receptacle. I'm like, oh my yes, God, the, the Messiah receptacle, so and then he instructs. <laughs> Excuse me. Then he instructs Samuels to mount her. Yes. Uh, okay, so... And then, obviously, like you mentioned, Winter says no, gets pissed off, and ends up getting punished for it. Uh, so knowing that, like, Kai is spinning all sorts of weird threads here, um, did he expect Winter to go through with this? Was, it, like... It, it, I mean... It almost seemed to me like maybe he was just fucking with them or something. I don't know. Like, but but at the end you don't get that impression. You know, when they finally are all in the room together, like it seems like maybe he is just kind of on a whim conjuring shit. I don't to know. see how far he can push his followers, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It is does seem kind of to more fall in line with the power trip and look at what people will do for me as opposed to. I would need to all of a sudden create a, uh, you know, a, a, some progeny that's going to be the savior for the world. You know, he's too conceited and arrogant to put that on someone else. He's the one who's supposed to be doing that. I understand, like, later maybe he'll want to... I don't know. It's just weird. He's Yeah, he's young still. He has all these plans where he's going to be in power. It just didn't seem to fit with his plan. And so, yeah, I think I, it, it much more seemed like a thing where he was just like... Let me just show how I have command over everybody by making them go through with this thing. And I kind of feel like Winter, I mean, outside of the essential, like, rape that was going to happen here, she kind of caught on to that, that this, like, you know, when I tell you, like, when I told you earlier, she's like, all right, this is far, far, too far for even you. She's like, we need to make savior. And then this is how more saviors will be made. She's like, isn't the concept of a savior that there's one? <laughs> I love that. And then she and he gets mad. He's like, "This is a holy ritual." And then she's like, "That you came up with this afternoon." Like, 
So yeah. she's seeing through it. She's like, this is this is off. So I think that was the this weird ass sequence was the moment that Winter, I thought like had, and I was, actually I do believe this. We'll go into what we think about the ending, um, where she shifted away. And she know she now knows Kai Kai's too far gone. Yeah, I mean, there was parts in this episode where things just started to kind of shift into a heightened reality of, like, hyperbole that I didn't know whether or not to take things seriously, whether we're looking, like, whether the show itself is, is, like, depicting things this way as satire, or whether it's, like, Kai was actually following through on, you know, like, he was screwing with people this whole time. I'm still not sure about that, even at the end of all this. Um I think there's an argument to me made either way, but I think we still need to kind of see what his ultimate, I guess, what the ultimate plan he's brewing is, because we we can talk about this at the end, but we still don't know, and there's a whole connection there that we was revealed at the end of last episode that wasn't even touched on at all um, in this episode. So, I mean, and just how ridiculous with Winter, like, in the jumpsuit, in the dunce cap, dumping trash in the, in the lot. <laughs> it's it's like, it's funny. How push people? How, how weird can you make, what, what can you make people do? Right. And then we kind of get the background on Samuels right before we also get to see him killed. Um, I think there was a couple key things here to note, you know. Uh, Kai was dealing with Dr. Rudy's prescriptions, uh, which I'm sure Dr. Rudy didn't know because he would have been pretty yeah. pissed about that i i figure yeah he was writing um, fake scripts and back alleys uh, apparently samuels was into some nazi shit <laughs> yeah when we see like the old memorabilia in, in glass cases in his house um oh which just seems out of the blue <laughs> yeah and then like he i mean i guess word that's just kind of fitting in with you know the um white nationalist kind of feel of you know occult and and looking at the white nationalist groups we kind of see around the country today um and then you know obviously there's the metal music going and he can't get it up and then kai comes in and gives this whole kind of monologue about women make you weak but it's not yeah and he like he he's basically like giving giving samuel's justification to like have sex with men without actually being gay you know yeah he's like He's doing what he does. He tells the people exactly what they need to hear so they feel empowered and latch on to him to keep that connection going. Right. Um, And then he tries to rape Winter and she shoots him in the head. Uh, After referencing um, Valerie Solanus. And after, first of all, after all, after first, she's like, dude, you're totally gay. (laughs) Like, just like (laughs) calling a spade a spade in this situation. Uh, I don't know, maybe he's bi, but but she's like, Valerie's right. Gay men are turds too, basically, and <laughs> yeah, she calls yeah. him a turd, and the, exactly oh. like I like that we're referencing the previous episode, so it's still part of um, a, a lot of the women's uh, thought process on the choices they're making. So that, and then yeah, she shoots him right in the head after he tries to rape her. Because mm-hmm. that's the one thing actually we did learn. He could get it up. If he was like choking that women or something like that, something really messed up. Yeah, yeah, like if there was kind of some kind some of violence there, Ugh. right? Because well, because like Kai was saying, you could like he was telling telling him, you know, when you have sex, you feel like the woman's taking power from you, and so in order to get it up, he had to feel like he was he was the one who was gaining power and not giving power. Right, it seemed to be his thing. For me. I felt like this was... Oh, and then he also said, when Hillary lost, I did too. I should have fought back. It's like... So it seemed to me like this was supposed to be... Or it felt like this was going to be the revelation where Winter came around on Kai and, like, is going to lead the anti-Kai movement. Mm -hmm. It's how I felt. And then you have the final scene where uh, she... You see her still dressed up, or you see who we remember her as in her clown costume, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, well, let's hold on this final scene and talk for a minute. The one thing we kind of haven't hit on is Allie. Allie is back. Making sloppy um, joes. It didn't look, I mean, it, didn't, it looked like a really gross sloppy joe. It, mm, it I don't know like which fancy sloppy joes you're used to. That looked pretty standard to me. <laughs> I haven't had slop, sloppy joes in a while. Bougie, um, she's you bougie sloppy joes in Oregon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We only eat free range sloppy joes. <laughs> uh, so, 
well, first you have the scene, obviously, where Dr. Rudy confesses everything to Allie, and she didn't seem very impressed by that. And then he kind of says, you know, how Kaya got all the information and vows to help Allie by, like, covering up things. So, yeah, Rudy. I mean, this is this is the question I have for you is did you believe him? I mean, is I, he, I was like he a I... good guy in the end? Was he really going to help Allie? Was he just doing paying lift service to Kai and he really was trying to throw him in an institution? I kind of feel like he was... I, I don't know. This show's, like, never given us enough information to make an actual, like, uh, informed, um, educated guess on these. At this point, I think Rudy was probably good, quote-unquote. Um, I think he's right. a dummy. I think he was a red herring to put in there, and I think his character Agreed. was useless, and I didn't like his character at all. <laughs> right. Well, no, I I agree. He was he was kind of a flat character, and I do think, I think probably in the end he that he was probably trying to throw Kai in uh, institution, mm-hmm. and not necessarily because he really was objecting to what Kai was doing. I think it was more from what we can gain from the character. He was very superficial. It was probably more superficial reasons how that would reflect on his business if it was ever shown that mm. Kai and him were related, and so that was probably what his more driving see force was. Uh, and then, yeah, then, she, I mean, Allie immediately sells him out to um, <laughs> to Kai. Before, you know, she has, we kind of have this montage of her moping around the house, missing Oz. Um, I think it was Jocelyn on Facebook who noticed that there was, when she was laying on the bed, it almost looks like there was like this glowing uh, Nimbus halo around her head. Yes, um, yeah, which she, yeah, I, I noticed that too. Which, yeah, which could possibly be like saint or martyr imagery. Uh I don't know if it's clear. Enlightenment. I think enlightenment would make probably a lot more sense because as when she meets with Kai in the one-on-one, which there's there was actually some really funny lines. When like, she was great in this, I liked it, and I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, Allie, you're kind of cool now. Yeah, it's nice to have Sarah Paulson back as a not annoying character. Yes. <laughs> so it's. I mean, it's like revitalized Allie, I guess. Allie 2.0, um, but she's willing to do whatever she can to get Oz back, and uh, that includes selling out. Vincent. Rudy Vincent. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, you know. She she offers that information up obviously pretty quickly cuz ultimately all she wants is Oz. Um and she says, you know, Vincent couldn't cure me, your brother couldn't cure me, you know, Kai like Kai, you're the one who cured me. She's not afraid of anything anymore. Uh and my question to you is why is she not afraid of anything more anymore? That's a good question. I mean, so we this has kind of been Kai's goal all along, what he hoped to do. It's almost like she was the test case for what he hoped to do to everybody. And so, I mean, except for the people he was killing, obviously. But she could have been killed many times before and was kept alive for one reason or another. And it was kind of the impression that it was because she had all these horrible phobias and fears that she could be controlled through, right? Um, but be, it's after being exposed to them so much, I guess the idea, or at least... The idea that Kai kind of postulates in the very first episode when he's talking to the city council is that through fear you can inoculate the public to fear and you can become stronger by like overcoming fear at all. Why did it happen now? Um, I guess just because of how traumatic the shooting was and being there firsthand, like seeing Meadow blow her brains out and everything like that. Um, and, pro- and I mean, it's probably also the revelation that Ivy was in on it and kind of taking advantage of her all along and it it's made her feel empowered that she she like she can't rely on other people to you know overcome her fears for her and she can't just avoid like there's no such there's no avoiding her fears they'll come to her where in whatever state they're in so that constant exposure i guess has kind of um blown them all away what do you think yeah, no, I think that sounds right. The only thing I would add is she's lost everything pretty much. She has nothing left to lose. So she has no reason to be scared of clowns. She'd be like, come on, clowns, kill me then. I ain't got anything left. Right. In the final scene when Kai has the betrayers brought in. Who do you think it was? Winner and Rudy. That was, I wrote that down, who, who my guesses were. Who do you think it was? I thought it was all the women. Mm, that would have been good too. I I guess I had thought like we had a, a situation here where we both had like both siblings like had decided to betray their brother in the same episode. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So that's it was a little a bit of a surprise point. to me. Yeah. When so I it was saw a surprise the man, to me, like a man's body come in, I was like, oh, I bet that's Broody Vincent or Vincent Vincent Anderson. Yeah. Vincent. Yes, Vince. Um, but yeah, Beverly was a bit of a surprise. Um, and then of course we find out it's because Winter threw under the bus. Right. And so this is, I, I mean, here's a lot of questions, right? Here are a lot of questions. A lot of. Uh, a lot of, well, so poor Rudy gets his pinky cut off. We learn that he's the one who invented the, what do they call it? The power pinky? Pinky power. Um, that sounds so obviously so the irony being that like through his betrayal when they're honest with each other all the time, that's what he's going to have his pinky cut off doing. Yeah. Uh, did that, you hit, I mean, did, go ahead. I was going to say, I, went, I wrote, uh, so I wrote, they brought, you know, they brought them in down a gag. We see who they are. It's like, oh, okay. And then um, Vincent gets his finger cut off i was like eh i could give two shits about you <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean that's what i was gonna say is did you feel anything when he when no. he got killed i mean i felt bad because meta or uh winter reacted winter. and she took her mask off and said vince and i was like oh that's right you, you haven't seen your brother this whole time i don't think so that was that was the only part i was kind of sad because it's always sad to see a family relationship of two seemingly i mean they're not normal because they're i mean winter's killing people but you know, the more stable people in the family uh, um, have a bond that's going to go away. The one's dying, but I don't know. I didn't really care about Vincent that much. What about you? No, not me either. But I will say that I, I think you made a really good point about him being a red herring because we'd had all these theories about him leading up to this point. Like and he was pulling really, the strings all along or something. Yeah, and I was kind of, I almost thought when we had the cold open that like okay we know we have Vince is gonna like you know and then because then we see his interactions with Ellie it's like okay now he's going to really come out as like the strong opposing force because we haven't really had that good guy that's like faced Kai um, and it's gonna be him and maybe he'll recruit he'll join with the women or he'll like bring Allie into it and they'll work together or whatever no Allie sells him out so quickly. And we just do lose him. And so it's like I thought that this was going to be the guy who kind of finally follows through and is the counterforce, you know, the hero to Kai's anti-hero. Um, but we don't really see that happening. And so uh, I guess my question for you is who's going to fill that role? I, I mean, think, so let's talk. Go ahead. Yeah, let's finish up. Let's finish up the scene because then we can go into that. Well, so, I mean, they obviously, you know, Beverly kind of gives her a little monologue there and they put her in the isolation chamber. So I think it's very important to remember that she is still, you know, alive. Because I, I don't think that's by any means the end we're going to see Beverly. Um, Winter blamed everything on Beverly, this, Samuel's death specifically. I think we early on in the, earlier in the episode, Kai basically says that he knows about Harrison to Winter and doesn't really care. Um, what... I guess why did Winter do this after kind of seeming to have an awakening of one kind? I want to know if this Winter actually did do this or if this is part of a plan. So, I mean, once we get around to... I, I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we haven't been privy to just yet. You know, can we talk about the reveal at the end when everyone's taking off their masks? Yeah, of course, Allie's the new cl- one of the new clowns. Allie's wearing shocked. Them. I and I like I saw that coming a mile away for some reason. Like, and she's wearing winter. She's wearing winter's costume, right? That's the or sorry, not winter. Um, Meadows costume. That's the one Meadow used to wear, I think. Okay, I don't remember, but yes, Me- Meadows. Yes, I think that's how, no. Did Meadow wear a dress also? Anyway, I don't know. I can't remember right now. Um, but when Allie removes hers and like, let's welcome our new member. Obviously, everyone knows who's who it's going to be. So she's so it's Allie. And I think among Allie, Beverly, and Winter, and I think Kai's getting, Allie's maybe playing some game. I think there's some alliances happening here uh, to for plays that people are going to make in the long run, you know, in the next three episodes, long run next three episodes. So I'm not exactly sure who's telling the truth and who's playing whom in this situation. I could see that Beverly and Meadow, or God, Beverly and Winter have, you know, concocted a scheme because Beverly said, if you don't deal with this within a week, I'm going after your brother. And yeah. I, and I think you and I are both right when we realize that Winter has realized that Kai is too far gone. So I don't, I mean... Her, and that's get, why that action seems so surprising to yeah. me. It's like why, you know, if Winter had this revelation that like Kai is 
is not the same brother that she he had remembered. Why would she then immediately go and sell out Beverly, who is going to help take him out? Exactly. Is, it, is she still like even the, you know is it just because he's still her brother, or is it a, like a secret plan they still have going on? In which case, in I I could see Ivy being in on that as well. Yeah, I was saying because the only one it, I don't believe, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Allie reached out to Winter also in some form because she has that connection. But also, out of all of them, when the masks are t- when the mask is taken off of Allie, Ivy seems the most genuinely shocked. I well, so here's the th- here's my, here's the thing that I think I would almost Do you think I Allie could and almost Ivy are see together. No, I think Ellie could really legitimately be working with Kai against the others. And my thinking for this being, I almost see Ellie being more pissed at people like Dr. Broody, who was being disingenuous to her, and Ivy, most of all, who took away Oz and was really like facilitating her descent into madness, more so than really being mad at Kai. Because the way they're making it seem now is that like... The only reason that Allie really was the target was because I uh, Ivy wanted to make her a target. It's not like Kai wanted to just torment her for this. I mean, it was certainly he enjoyed it because she was the kind of aggressive progressive that just irritated the hell out of him. But, uh, you know, I, I I can almost see, you know, where they're having, kind of having their deal-making lunch that she's like, okay, you've, you're, like, she actually, you know, has fallen. In, I could see her having kind of fallen into his thought process that like you you know now i've overcome all my fears and now i want to kind of seek revenge on those who put me in the situation and it more being your dr rudy's and your ivies so i don't know um so i think we can agree that all is not what it seems something is afoot uh and i can't nor can you really put our finger on it completely or make a bold prediction on this but there are definitely some behind the scenes talks happening that we just don't know yet because there's no way some someone's getting played in some form agreed and i do agree with you also that ivy seemed very surprised to see Allie. yeah so i think that was authentic uh so which i was i was kind of happy to see that i was like yeah uh, ivy look what you did Yeah, yeah. It's all your I mean, fault. <laughs> and and to see kind of a rejuvenated new alley guy it's cool. is about time because yeah. it, oh, it's way cool because we've complained about her. I mean, we're big Sarah Paulson fans, obviously, but have kind of complained about her character, her character. incessantly yeah. up until this point. I would say that this has been my least favorite Sarah Paulson character of any season. I would venture to say. Hmm, I'd have to think about that, but I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of. Another one that I really didn't like. I mean, we have ones we didn't love. I, the one in Coven, um, when she was Jessica Lange's daughter. Cordelia. Was, you know, I mean, or yeah, Ordelia. I would say that was like, she was kind of the voice of reason in a kind of boring way. It wasn't as interesting as like Lana or as the... Um, Bet and Dot. Bet and Dot or the fortune teller in even season one. Um, or it's not the fortune teller, the... Uh, Psychic. Psychic, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I it's just a thought there. Um, what is so? When without hearing kind of what my three was there, you didn't, I don't know that you really voices yet. What do you think Allie's end game is here? Obviously, she wants Oz back. So why would she then join the cult? I I kind of agree with you that I think she's working with Kai, but not to help Kai she's playing him in some way and I don't know what it is yet I'm not sure if it's revenge Uh, I think ultimately yes it is to get Oz back Um, but I think she is working with Kai Uh, but I don't know her end game yet I'm not sure what it is I don't think I know enough about her besides you know she voted for for Jill Stein (laughs) and she wants her kid back and her wife hates her like why I don't know yeah, they she needs to play the pinky game and then we'll know some more, which I'm sure she will play. Maybe, maybe that's coming. Uh, question two: What the fuck happened with the collusion with Francis Conroy? I that like, was that was a big, especially when Winter referenced uh, Valerie Solanas in the car. Uh, I was a little annoyed that we didn't even get a taste of what that was about, or at least a, another scene where we see them colluding. Um, because that was my biggest irritation with this episode was that, that we'd forget that we get this huge reveal at the end of last episode and you don't really have 
any indication as to what they what Kai's goal with that kind of partnership was. Um, because the implication was obviously that he had a hand in turning the women against him, but it's not clear why he would do that. I mean, he throws Beverly in jail. He knows that they kill Harrison because of that, but it's st- like, but he's pushed them to do all these things intentionally. So w- this is another situation too, where it's, it can get frustrating trying to figure this stuff out on a show like this, where every single character is unreliable because they're all mentally unstable. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. we don't know who's playing the double agent, who's going to flip on whom, and and that can be frustrating because we don't have that you know reliable narrator or uh, uh, person to kind of walk us through this. Or that For sure. Can trust. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know really how many it doesn't mean, we can throw out. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't mean that we shouldn't like speculate because it's really fun to do that, but it's also frustrating that we don't have you know a person that. I guess Kai's the only person we know we should just not trust at all. <laughs> For, yeah, and I think that's a really good thing to revisit. And I mean, I you know, the only theory we can kind of come up with now with the information we have is that it lends itself to some kind of overall chaos theory that Kai is brewing uh, for his whatever his ultimate goal is. Uh, so then I guess from here, where are things going with Winter? Uh, is she in open rebellion against Kai? Is she, you know going to continue to be his servant at this time and someone else is going to have to provoke her to kind of take up a stand i think the only thing that could put her back in the the path of staying in kai's group as a servant or whatever samuels called her uh is that she's so fearful now because she's seen kai kill their brother (laughs) that she has fallen in line but it also, knowing Winter and more of who she is now with her background, and I loved the line, three months ago I was at the Women's March. <laughs> um, I think this is completely, you know, as, as a big fan of Winter, pushed her over to the, uh, the side against Kai to not necessarily, necessarily take him down because she doesn't want, I, mean, I guess maybe she get, will get to the point where she's like, we need to kill him. As Beverly yeah. said, we need to take off the snake's head. And the rest of right. the minions will fall. So I, I, I believe that Winter has completely shifted over to the side of the good, which is the side that Kai is not on. Do you think she's, would is she gonna stay there with him or is she gonna rebel? I think she's definitely rebelling, and I think, like you said, there must be something more to her giving up Beverly like that. Especially, they really kind of framed her awakening in that car. I feel like as like her. You know, they make it very clear early on when she says to Beverly, like, no, he he has a good heart. This isn't where he's going. And then kind of from their interactions with the bizarre, you know, plan to make him a messiah and everything to the point where Samuels tries to drape her in the car. It, it seems like we get a full trajectory there where she her epiphany makes sense. And so I don't see us backtracking on that. It seems like there must be other yeah. other plans afoot, like you said. Also, real quickly, like, I just remember this. You know how after that whole sequence where Beverly says she's a liar and uh, Winter's uh, version of the tale that we revisit that scene and we see it uh, filmed uh, in a different way telling the story that Winter yeah. supposedly... Mm-hmm. So that technique, I feel like I see, I've seen in a lot of films and TV is used when people have planned something together in a way to be like here's a here's a story we're gonna tell not always not always i mean it could be just someone recalling or recanting um something that they've uh that they've previously told but the fact that we had to go back and see it happen in a different way makes me think it was orchestrated like let's let's here's how we plan to say how it's happened i don't know that's me wanting beverly and winter to not be against each other right to be in cahoots yeah i agree with you i agree and i mean beverly other than wanting to kill her you know winter's brother who you know his actions kind of he kind of deserves it in a lot of ways um there's no real reason to i mean to have a specific reason for animosity between winter and beverly so that is another sign that maybe there's something more there uh, I want to end with a couple broader questions about this season. We only have three episodes left after this, which is a bummer. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so Michael posts these on Facebook, and I wanted to ask them of you, and I thought we could discuss them on the show. Um, does this season has a different vibe, I guess, than past seasons in a certain way? Does this does it feel does this season feel like American Horror Story to you in the traditional sense? No, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would say mm-hmm. in in the spirit of Roanoke. Um, they're playing with different formats and I'm into it. I like it. This is something I would have maybe expected if I had heard American Horror Stories, this new show that's coming out on TV, you should check it out. And, and it was this, I'd be like, okay, this is kind of what I might expect. But because we had all the craziness <laughs> earlier on, this seems like a little bit different of a show, but still in the same vein. Do you yeah. feel the same? I mean, we're in season seven now and there had to be a point where you kind of couldn't be... You had to do something different than kind of just toying with the same base formula every time. And, you know, they kind of started with the horror element, and that played up. That was played up more in Murder House and Asylum. And then they played up more kind of the campiness in Hotel or Hotel and Coven. Um, and Freak Show was a weird mishmash of everything, kind of off-the-wall type stuff. You know, I think they kind of had—I think you're right. I think they had to kind of go out on limbs more season to season to kind of keep the show fresh and interesting. But they still are able to maintain some aspects of it by having not only, you know, actors and um, references to past seasons, whether it's twisty or whatever, but you also do kind of see some, you know, flashes of that campiness, like, or just kind of the bizarro world, heightened reality, like the sex scene. Yeah, exactly. Like little tweaks. Um, Oh, so that's another thing, like, the the sex scene reminded me of is the movie American Psycho. Uh, just because, you know, you have this, where it's like you have this um, dissonance between the music being put on and Patrick Bateman, like, taking the axe to the guy in his house, you know? And it very much, like, it's the same kind of thing where you have, like, this kind of dissonance where you have, like, this music that's, like, very um, romantic and all that kind of stuff, yet they're about to, like, do this really gross kind of thing together that's not romantic at all. Um, and isn't even supposed to be romantic because it's like recalling winter or receptacle. Um, yes. Yeah. You still see glances of it. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know that not feeling like American Horror Story traditionally is a bad thing because I also think that the writing has felt tighter to me this season. I mean, there's been funny lines, but I I am hopeful that all these like weird plot things we're trying to figure out do come together in some way that makes sense. Because it feels more tied together in... Some of the reveal, I think some of the reveals have been really good this season. Not all of them, but quite a few of them. The fact that Rudy Vincent was the brother, I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. one, for instance. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, do you, so, and then this other question uh, from Michael was, do you prefer seasons set in the present or set in the past? How do you feel about this versus, say, a freak show or an asylum, or that are more period pieces? I'll have to think about that. Um, I mean, Murder House was great because we got both. And I liked that. We could get some campiness. Roanoke, too. Roanoke, Roanoke we kind of got both. Roanoke, Roanoke was cool like that. I, 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 as I've talked about many times, I, I love Asylum because a lot of it takes place in the 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was cool with the set pieces and the what was fearful then and technology that wasn't around. And... Uh, I, but this has been kind of different and interesting too, and I not I don't always like. I think I I think I tend to prefer ones set in previous eras. Uh, maybe that's just because, as we've talked about, I saw it recently, and it was just it just reminded me of how fun and campy and like nostalgic I am for different times. Uh, so it's the fun to play with that. It's a, yeah, mm-hmm. I have to think about it a little bit more. Do you have a preference? I feel like for me, the modern story, the modern seasons are better told stories because they're not relying so much on the crutch of nostalgia. That's a good like point. I feel, yeah, because I feel like that was the case with Freak Show um, specifically in a lot of different aspects of that. Not to say that there weren't fun moments because of that, but I do think that they were able to use it as a crutch and just be like, look at how much we're diving into this interesting time period and that there's traveling circuses and they did this and this and this, you know. And here's and Jessica so, Lang singing another song. Exactly. And so I think, I, do, I mean, there's aspects of the flashback seasons I like, 
and I would be interested in seeing a whole, you know another whole season set in a different time period if that wasn't the case. If right. they kind of maintain doing this new take where they do something different, excuse me, with the format, it doesn't kind of feel like that can't be um, revisiting what we've revisited in past seasons. So, with all that being said, how did you feel overall about this episode in terms of rosé bottles? <laughs> I give this three and three quarters of a bottle of rosé. So, not as high as last two or three episodes that I've given it, but I, I'm still happy with it. I, I'm still hooked in. I'm not... I, You know, oftentimes around this part, I'm losing my interest. So I'm like, all right, they need to get back to some of the stuff because I'm starting to, um, you know, drift away mind wise but i'm i'm still in it's it's different and i like it uh i i don't think i've given anything above a four yet because i'm not like oh my god that was crazy but uh i'm still happy with this so that's where i'm at what do you give it i'm going to give it so actually i'm surprised that you gave it a three and three quarters i thought you were going to give it less mm-hmm. so i'm happy to know that you're still kind of locked yeah. in that regard i am going to give it a I'm going to give it a four, and here's why. Um, I was not as high on last episode as I was. I think you were, um, because I was not as sold on the Valerie storyline. And I'm almost more frustrated with it in retrospect now that it didn't have any real relevance to this particular episode. With the exception of one reference. Exactly. So unless there's... I mean... There, maybe there'll still be something else, but the fact that it didn't like play into a greater meaning made it feel like one of those like bottle episode kind of things that we've had in American Horror Story in the past that are just kind of, oh, we wanted to do something fun where we went to a different time period and it doesn't really have a that much of a... I mean, it had some thematic cross-translation, but then you had this big reveal at the end that didn't really play into anything at all in this episode, which was very frustrating to me. But I feel like I'm more frustrated with last episode for that than I am with this episode, if that makes sense. Uh, there was obviously like really bizarre stuff going on here with like the sex scene and with, you know, the weird Rick Springfield's, you know, uh, <laughs> house of, I don't know, Christian whores, <laughs> house of Christian whores, Jesse's girl on the operating table or whatever you want to call it. But, um, homegirl only just... had a UTI. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> Uh, but it was still creepy as hell, and I actually thought Rick did a good job. I mean, I thought those things were, f- like, creepy, but also at the same time, like, with the sex scene, like, you almost kind of wanted to laugh at it, but it wasn't because the show was fucking up. It was more like, is Kai screwing with people? Well, you know, what is going on here? And so, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I give it a solid four. Um, I f- like, like you, I'm hopeful that some of these... Uh, there's still strands of like scheming we don't know about, and I think that's a strong possibility. I hope I hope especially that there is more to Kai's plan than we see. Uh, following his the reveal at the end with him and Francis Conroy, following how things have played out since the beginning of the season. I don't want it to just be a story where it's like he gets high on power and doesn't have and like and then gets loses taken down. Control. <laughs> yeah, because we've seen that story before. To be some, you know, yeah. I want there to be another angle to it or something else he's trying to do that we haven't been privy to yet. So I'm hopeful, and I thought that the alley kind of getting over her fears thing was something I didn't expect, and I'm glad to see Sarah Paulson pack too. So four bottles from me, solid seven nice. and three quarters. Uh, looking to next week, it looks like we're finally getting some Jim's Jim. Uh, Jim Jones, illusions. Um, Jim Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Right? Um, yeah, with the Kool Aid. We're pouring the Kool Aid. Kai's asking the, his. Uh, he's having a. <laughs> he's having a slumber party with his homeboys and asking them to make the ultimate sacrifice. Um, we'll see where that's going. It looks like he also gives some Kool Aid to Oz. Maybe it sounds like we're gonna finally get Oz back. Cause think I mean. I'm glad that we're going to have a storyline there, too, because it definitely seemed like there was something more there. I think I'm still pretty... At this point, it's probably that Kai is Oz's dad through sperm donation, I think would not be a big surprise. Um, seems like there's some other connection there, potentially. In terms of um, Allie, we kind of see more of her kind of taking control as well. And... 
our Halloween episode doesn't look very Halloweeny. It looks like it's going to be kind of back setting the plot for, you know, these final three episodes we have left. Directed by Angela Bassett. Is it? Oh, awesome. Cool. Well, I'm excited to see that. That'll be fun. Is there any guest stars we haven't seen yet this season that we had talked about? Um, wasn't there maybe mention of Cher at one point? Oh, yeah. That's right. Wait, so we haven't seen Cher. We saw Rick Springfield finally. We got Arlena Dunham. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone I don't else remember. Uh, yeah. No Matt Bomer, we got right? Emma Rob- yeah, we got Emma Roberts. Yeah, I don't think any of our other regulars were going to make an appearance, so... But who knows? Someone could spring up in an interesting role. Uh, anyway, we uh, are running out of time now, so thank everybody for... I want to thank everybody for joining us again. As always, check us out on Facebook. Give us an email at our uh, Gmail account, and check us out on iTunes. Chris, where can people find you between now and, uh, I guess we'll say next Wednesday, since we'll be out celebrating Halloweeny things on Halloween. Oh, um, I think we're going to ask if anybody... Oh, this is what I wanted to ask. If, every, if anybody has ever done an American Horror Story Halloween costume... Um, I'm very curious. Do you know what you're going to be for Halloween, Chris? Um, I'm resting between two things, so I'll let you know next week what I decided. <laughs> mm, okay. Do you know I'm going being? to a, so this won't actually be on Halloween, but I'm I'm going to a work conference over the weekend, um, and there's a it's a like a literary themed Halloween party a cocktail party on Saturday that we got to dress up for so i'm going as alex delarge from uh clockwork orange nice yeah so that'll be fun yeah i want to see anybody yeah i want to see photos of people dressed up i think we were talking about this earlier but if you're doing anything especially from this season we were thinking that obviously the clown costumes would be a good one um as would be kai with his blue hair and uh winter with her wednesday adams kind of get up that would be good too. I'm trying to think if there was if there would be any other good costumes from this season. Yeah, I think those would probably be the best ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, oh yeah, you're asking. Uh, I will. I will be on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted. Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? Find me on uh, the Twitter at TJMoss11. All right, guys. Uh, until next week. Happy Hanukkah.